Ephesians chapter 3, by his spirit. Our last year's theme was Speak Jesus, and we spent the year looking through the book of Mark and learning more about the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to have a testimony for him, we must know him. We must know more about him. How can we share Christ if we don't know him? But I want to emphasize this year that we cannot even speak Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is God working through us that we see souls saved. It's the, it's the impact of the Holy Spirit upon a life. Nothing I say this morning will help you unless God's Holy Spirit speaks it to our hearts and ministers to our lives. It is the Spirit that guides us into all truth. It is the Spirit that will teach us all things. And so let's look to the Word of God this morning. We're going to bring out just a few things. I'm not going to get too in-depth today because I want to preach throughout the year at different times, not every single week, but different times about the Spirit of God and what He can do for us. You know, many speak about this dispensation today, about being the, the dispensation of grace or the age of grace, and, and I think that's an appropriate term, don't you? I think it is. As we compare it to the law of the Old Testament, certainly we live in an age of grace. But I, I would think we could also entitle it, without being doing disservice to the Scripture, the age of His Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that, the age of His Spirit. Now let's read our scriptures this morning, and I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Ephesians chapter 3, if you look in verse 14, is where we'll, we'll begin today. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, the Bible says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, that he would grant you according to his riches, to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So in just those three verses, we see the entire trinity, don't we? He's praying about the Father who we know through the Lord Jesus Christ and that we might be strengthened by his spirit in verse 16, according to the riches of his glory. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful that he would grant us according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened by his spirit? Let me ask you something. How rich is God? Does anybody have any idea? I mean, gold is just pavement in heaven. If we talk about physical riches, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But what about his spiritual riches? His, his holiness alone. I mean, since the days of Isaiah, we know that the angels fly around the throne singing, holy, holy, holy. And before that even... One day in eternity, we will see the same scene set up before us in heaven as all of heaven cries out, holy, holy. Uh, the Bible is talking about here how he's going to grant us according to his riches in glory. I, I mean, that's, a, that's, that's an, an unfathomable. It's indescribable to think about his riches in glory. And he says through that, he will strengthen us in the inner man. So look what it says in verse 16. Strengthen us by, with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. You ever been to a children's program and heard maybe somebody say, who would like to ask Jesus into their heart? Who would like to ask Jesus into their heart? This is where it comes from right here. That he might have Christ dwelling in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, 
that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. I'll read the next two verses just to finish the chapter, but that is our text for this morning. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now I'm leaving that off on purpose or I'd be preaching for three hours. But that power that worketh within us is the very spirit of God. That's the spirit he's describing in, through these few verses in verse 16, especially as he names him the spirit of Christ. Now look at verse 20. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus through all ages without end. Amen. Again, I'm leaving that verse off for the sake of time, but also that I might preach another message. Verse 21 is the purpose. Unto him be glory in the church. Verse 20 is his method that he might show his power through us. We are the church. But I want you to notice as we back up to verse 15 uh, this morning, uh, or sorry, verse 16, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. You know, the spirit of God is something that we have seen throughout the word of God. But the Old Testament was very different than the new. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, we see that the earth was made void, but the Bible says that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. That's the first mention we have of the Spirit of God in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was made void, and the Bible says the Spirit of God, we don't even see the name of Christ before we see Spirit. We don't even have a pre-incarnate Christ. We don't have a, a vision or what they would call a theophany or a Christophany where Christ appears in the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. We see God the Father in verse 1 and we see the Spirit of God in verse 2. We learn later on of Christ and we know that Christ is part of the thrice holy Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. In Genesis chapter 1, we read of this spirit of God in creation. But in Genesis chapter 6, the sin of man affected God in such a way that it came up before the face of a holy God. And he said this, my spirit shall not always strive with man. It's wonderful to think that even in that day of great sin and apostasy, that God's spirit was working to draw men unto himself. He was striving with men and he was convicting men of sin. And though he did not indwell every believer in those days, he still had a presence on the earth striving with men. When he said, my spirit shall not always strive with men, what he was referring to was the time that he would destroy the earth with a flood and start over again. He said, I'm not going to always fight with you. I'm not always going to plea with you. I'm not always going to convict your heart of sin and try to, there's got to come a point where I pass judgment. Boy, there's a sermon in that, isn't there? When God's spirit ceases to strive with men, we're in a lot of trouble. And the Bible in Romans chapter one calls it a reprobate mind. We are turned over by Christ unto our flesh and under the desires of this world to buffet our soul and hopefully drive us back but we know that's not always the case, is it? So many go off into a crisis eternity because they reject the very striving of the Spirit of God upon their heart. I'm thinking of King Agrippa in the Bible when he said, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I'm that close, Paul. But to our knowledge, he never trusted Christ. 
How many will go off into a crisis eternity this year because of almost? So close and yet so far away. In Exodus chapter 31, we read of a man named Bezalel. He was a craftsman that was very gifted and talented and The Bible says he would craft many things for the temple. He was good with timber, but he was also good with silver and brass. And so he would make instruments, sorry, for the tabernacle. And he would make the posts and he oversaw all the work of the tabernacle. And the Bible said this, that God had put his spirit upon him. God had specially equipped him not just for physical labor, but for a spiritual work. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that the spiritual, or the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and came upon David. I'm so thankful today that God has promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. But in the Old Testament, the spirit left Saul and he came upon David. What a change that we see in this day and age. The disciples after the resurrection of Christ in John chapter 20, they received the Holy Spirit from Christ when he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Certainly we could find other examples in the Old Testament and even in the early parts of the New Testament where the Holy Spirit had his work. But I'm thankful that in this present age, since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has chose to dwell with his people, to indwell every believer who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Boy, there's so many ministries we could speak of the Holy Spirit today, and I won't preach on them, but aren't you glad that you're sealed under the day of redemption? Aren't you glad that the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your life? I'm thankful even for his conviction when I sin. We don't like it. We don't like that pricking of our heart. As the Apostle Paul said, though, it is hard for me to kick against the pricks. It's difficult when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and breaks your heart. I prayed with Pastor Bauckham last night at our prayer time here, and I could tell the Spirit of God was working in his heart. Sometimes it brings us to tears, doesn't it, brother? As he wept over several things going on in his life. That's the Spirit of God moving and speaking to us. But here's what I know today, that in this age of grace, or as I'll refer to it for a moment, the age of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is for every believer. The Bible says we are to walk in the Spirit that we fulfill not the lust of the flesh. Paul would have never given such a command if the Spirit of God was not available to us. He says, be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The Bible commands us not to vex the Spirit of God or to grieve the Spirit of God. We can sin against Him. And so often we speak of the Holy Spirit uh, because in our, in our English language it's so hard to express what we mean. But friends, he, he is not a the, He is a He. He is a person. And we'll be guilty for the rest of this year of saying the Holy Spirit because of the limitations of our language. But never forget, He is a person, co equal with the Father and the Son, the Spirit of God. The Bible says here as we look in our text today, in Ephesians chapter three, Paul says, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family and heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with his might, or with might, 
by his spirit in the inner man. For the sake of this paragraph, pulling it out of the last two verses this morning, I want you to notice the purpose statement. For the believer of God, he wants us to be strengthened by his might. He wants you to grow. He wants you to learn. He wants you to grow in wisdom. He wants you to grow in the scriptures. He wants you to grow in grace. He wants you to grow in mercy. He wants you to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. But as we grow, we are strengthened by His might. The struggle with so many today is we are carnal Christians. We don't grow because we have grieved the Spirit. We have vexed the spirit. We've sinned against the Holy Ghost as Ananias and Sapphira did in some way. And because of it, we grieve him and we don't grow like we ought to. But he says, I want you to be strengthened. I want you to grow and strengthened in the inner man by his spirit. Now he tells us how that takes place. There's four things I want you to see this morning that as we look at this scripture, how are we strengthened by his spirit? There's four things, and and by way of application, I want you to think of each of these four things as things that we must surrender to. I want you to notice, first of all, verse 17, we grow or we are strengthened in the inner man, number one, by his indwelling ministry. His indwelling ministry. Look at verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. And look what that indwelling ministry does, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. How many of you men were better off once you got married? Nobody? Come on. If your wife is beside you, you better... Let's just be honest, guys. We're not good. The Bible says it is not good for a man to be alone. We are better off married. It's true. I I went straight from my mama's house to my wife's house. That's how it worked. I needed a wife. And uh, you say, well, how quick did you get married? Four days after graduation. I didn't wait. I graduated on May the 20th. On May the 20th, I was, I was a dorm supervisor, so I could not leave campus till May 21st. So you had to make sure everything was taken care of. May 21st, I drove 10 hours, 11 hours, whatever it was, to Texas. That was on a Saturday. On Sunday, we had church all day. Sunday night, we had a, a wedding shower after church. Monday night was rehearsal. Tuesday night, we got married. We didn't wait because we're better when we're complete. How many of you like being lonely? None of us like being alone. Do you know when Christ comes into your life, you're never alone. There's an instant change that takes place when Christ comes in. That doesn't mean we're perfect right away. There's there's a time of sanctification. There's a time that he has to change us and clean us and make us right. But that's being strengthened in the inner man. That's the growing process. But it all starts with being indwelt by the Spirit of Christ. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. I want you to read a couple verses with me. Listen to this. John chapter 14 speaks much about this Spirit. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he, listen to this, that he may abide with you, what are the next two words? Forever. Forever. 
I often think about this. If the Spirit of Christ abides with me forever, if Christ dwells in my heart, if he has promised to never leave me nor forsake me, and I end up in hell, either Christ had to go to hell with me or he's a liar. Think about that. But he will never leave me nor forsake me. And so he goes a step further and he says, I'll seal you. I'll mark you as mine unto the day of redemption. What a wonderful promise of the scripture. I didn't even finish reading it. Listen, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him. For listen to this, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I keep referencing Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You say, who is he? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18 tells us, or verse 8 tells us, Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me make something clear. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are the three in one. We struggle to understand that. I'm just going to be honest. I used to work when we first got married. We, we worked in a little grocery store in Burlington and served at the church as well. And the, then I worked nights. My wife worked afternoons. And, and uh, as I was working nights, there was a lady, an older lady at the front cash register. And she was a Muslim lady. And we would talk often through the night. I was often working in the bakery and things, and we talk across the counter. And I try to share the gospel with her, and she says, well, your, your problem is just we believe in one God. We believe in one God, and you believe in many gods. I said, no, ma'am, we believe in one God. So, oh, but what about Jesus? Do you believe Jesus is God? Yes, we believe Jesus is the Son. Let me tell you, you know how hard that is to comprehend the three-in-one Somebody says one plus one plus one doesn't equal one, but one times one times one does. I don't know if you can explain God with math. God invented math. We, we, we try to fit him into those boxes, but just believe it. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Let me say this. When the Bible says that Christ may dwell in you, I don't believe for a moment the physical, living, incarnate Jesus, he wouldn't fit in here. A whole human man inside my body. But the spirit of Christ can. And so when Christ says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and may, the, may Christ dwell in you, I, I believe he's talking about his spirit. That he'll put his spirit in us. When God says that he has sealed us and that he will protect us, he'll take it. He is talking about his spirit, the very spirit of God. And you don't have to worry that it's some lesser portion of God. No, they are co-equal. He is God. He is Christ. He is the Father. You say, I don't understand that. Neither do I. But praise God, it's true. Because the Bible says so. His ways are not our ways. The Bible says he's unsearchable. And we can't make sense of the math or the multiplication, but we know that he is one God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, the Bible says. One God, Father, Son, 
and spirit. And that spirit dwells within us. By his spirit. Listen to what Romans says as the Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be that the spirit of God. Now there's the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. The spirit of God and the spirit of, how can that be? How can it be the spirit of God? Because of the one person. They're the same. They are unified in the Trinity. And so we see his indwelling ministry. How is God going to strengthen us in the inner man? Friend, listen, you, you won't know the peace of God. You know, that's one of, that's one of the ministries of the Spirit. But I will send another comforter, the Holy Ghost, and he will come and comfort. And be, you won't know the peace of God if you don't first have God and have the very Spirit of Christ dwelling within you. You say, how does that happen? Through salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith. And the moment you accept Christ as your Savior, the Spirit of God takes up residence within you. And he seals you under the day of redemption. And so we see his indwelling ministry. But I want you to notice, secondly, his instructional ministry. His instructional ministry. Look back at uh, verse 18 with me. The Bible says in verse 17 that Christ may dwell in you, your hearts by faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend... With all saints, what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height? You may be able to comprehend. That word comprehend means to lay hold of something. And it means that Christ, by his power and influence, exerts his influence over our minds and changes us. Comprehend. Have you ever read the Bible and you read through that same thing every year? And then all of a sudden the light goes on. Oh, I see it now. That's the Spirit of God teaching you. There are times, it's amazing sometimes, you read that scripture, but then you're going through a valley, and God says, look at that a little different. Here's what I really meant by that. We all love Psalm 23, don't we? Boy, I tell you what. I read Psalm 23. I'm reading tomorrow at the funeral. I was asked to read Psalm 23. Wonderful passage. It means so much more in death, doesn't it? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. His rod and his staff shall comfort me. All of a sudden, it's not just a hymn on a screen or a verse in our Bible. All of a sudden, it's real. That's the Spirit of God illuminating and teaching us and instructing us. In John chapter 14, again, a great passage about the Spirit of God. He says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I find it interesting, the context there. We might just take that as a soundbite and say, well, he's going to teach me all things. Not one of you in this room is going to fly a rocket to the moon. You have not, don't have that knowledge. So you might say, well, I don't know all things. He's not speaking about that. If you read the rest of the verse, he says, he will bring you in remembrance all things which I have said. Do you know the most important knowledge in the world is the knowledge of Christ? Years ago, I was talking to Brother Mike Holland about homeschooling, and we were homeschooled, and they were homeschooling, and we were talking about curriculum and different things, and just having lunch together. 
And, and he may have understated it a little bit, but what he, I, I got the spirit of what he was saying. He said this. He says, if my wife in her homeschooling can teach our kids how to read the Bible and love Jesus, I think it'll be a great success. Now, he wasn't saying he didn't want them to have advantages in, in, in the secular fields or, or be able to go to college or whatever. He wasn't saying that. But what he was saying is the two most important things I want them to be able to do is read the Bible and love Christ. And I've always remembered that. If we are going to be strengthened in the inner man, we need to learn the things of Christ. And Christ says, my Holy Spirit will come and he will guide you into all truth. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come. I, I love that title for him, the spirit of truth. You know, the spirit of God will never lie to you. He always tells you the truth, even if you don't like it. The spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. So how are we strengthened? Number one, you need Christ. You need to be indwelt. You need the Spirit of God living within you. Number two, you need to be instructed. Are you listening? Are you reading the Bible? It's the Spirit of God teaching you. Listen, pray about it. Ask God to show you. Ask God to teach you. But I want you to notice number three. Look back at verse 19 of our text. His indwelling ministry, his instructional ministry, his intimate ministry. His intimate ministry. This is important. Listen, verse 19. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that he might be filled with all the fullness of God. You know that God wants you to know that he loves you. When Satan attacks, the thing that we wonder right away is, does God still love me? When we're sick, does God love me? When we go through a valley, we wonder, does God love me? God says, I want you to be strengthened in the inner man, and I'm going to send my spirit that you might always know that I love you. But you'll never forget it. Ron, how old are you now, Ron? I do. 82. Wow. 82. I remember, Ron, when you turned 70 years old and you were sitting over here. You remember that? Your 70th birthday, sitting right there. You remember that? Good. And Ron, Ron wanted me to know. He came in today. I'm 70 today. And so he told me it was his birthday. So we thought, well, let's sing happy birthday to Ron. Ron. Ron's more faithful to church than a lot of people. And he's been coming for years and years. And, and so we, we sang happy birthday to Ron. And you love the music, don't you, Ron? Yeah, I, I remember times where somebody, we just bomb up here singing. And Ron would yell amen anyway. Praise the Lord. Amen. You need a cheerleader. And so we sang happy birthday to Ron. And then I said, Ron, do you want to say anything? And he began to sing, Jesus loves me. This I know. And half the church was crying. And, and I thought, if that's what he's learned here, that Jesus loves him. Praise the Lord. Lord, 
Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Thank you, Ron. Amen. Well, we didn't even plan that, did we, brother? You ought to help me preach every week. First John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, Christ just wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that. And so every day, he sends blessings. Boy, I'm, I got a call the other night from Daniel, and he was so excited on the phone. He's Pastor, I just got a call. I got to tell you what God did. I said, go ahead. He says, I was a little discouraged because I was supposed to start my chemotherapy, and we couldn't because of this other issue. And he says, they did a bunch of testing. And he says, I finally that night, I, in the evening, he says to Carla, he says, I need to get out go for a walk. Let's go for a walk. I need some exercise. And so he says, I hear there's a mezzanine with a piano up there. And, and he says, it overlooks the city and the main lobby of the hospital. He says, let's walk up there. And, and, and so he says, uh, we walk to the elevator. And he says, no, I, I'm going to do the stairs. And understand he's got this big machine on a, on a, you know, for his pick line. And it's got intravenous on there. And so he picked that thing up and he carried it up the stairs. He says, I was winded, but he says, I, I did it. And he said, I got up there and we got to the piano and he says, you know, it's funny. He says, we'll be in church and we'll sing some old hymn. And I'll say, oh, this old hymn, we sing that since I was a kid. He says, I'll tell you what, that's why I'm humming every day now. Those are the songs that are filling my heart. And so he says, I said to Carla, I said, you know what? Wouldn't it be nice if somebody was up here playing that piano and playing some hymns? And Carlos says, what hymn would you like to hear? He says, I don't even know. He says, I just, I've been humming all these different, I just like to hear some hymns. He says, they just bring comfort and peace. I find that's what God's putting in my heart right now. He says, I said to Carla, what, what would you like to hear? And she says, I don't, I'm like you. I just, just want to hear some music. He says, we continued to walk. He says, we didn't get 50 feet. And two young men came and sat at that piano. And be able to play the song, he's a good, good God. And he says, I recognize that song. He said, we went back and we sat, and for the next 20 minutes, half hour, they just kept playing him after him. And he says, then they turned and said, what are you guys here for? He said, I told them what was going on. He says, they came over and they sat with us and prayed with us. He said, and God, good to tell me that he loves me. I was in Canadian Tire standing there crying on the phone. <laughs> You're not supposed to cry in a men's store like that. That's Canadian Tire. Guys are buying tires and power saws, and I'm standing there bawling by the card rack, you know. And he says, make sure you tell your wife. So I told her, and she started crying in Canadian Tire. <laughs> God wants you to know that he loves you. That's part of his ministry, the Holy Spirit, that we may know the very love of God. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth 
knowledge. I like that add-on phrase. You can't even understand it. You can't comprehend it. Do you think you love something on this earth? My wife and I, will sit there. We'll be sitting in our living room at night, and I'll pull up a picture of one of our grandbabies, and I'll show it to her. And she smiles, and then an hour later, she'll pull up a picture of another, and she'll show it to me, and oh, and your heart just about bursts. And I read this and realize we know nothing about love compared to God's love for us. It passes understanding. That's the Holy Spirit's job, to give you a little moment like he gave Daniel and Carla the other night, just to remind you that he loves you. Well, let me give you one more. I want you to notice verse 19 at the end of the verse, his infilling ministry. His infilling ministry. You might just say, well, it's called his filling ministry. I looked up the word infilling because I wanted to understand it. It's, it's not a Bible word. It's my word to describe what's going on here. The word infilling is a construction term. They use it to fill in the gaps. Some of you helped build the school back here, or the gym, and you'll remember pouring concrete down between the brick walls. That's called infilling. Filled up all those holes with concrete, the ones that were conduit wasn't running or what have you, just to strengthen it. Infilling. Well, isn't it something that we're under construction? And God comes into that God-shaped hole in our lives and he indwells us and he fills us. And notice what it says in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that you might be filled with all, and you're not going to comprehend this either, all the fullness of God. How does all of God fit in here? Because his spirit is in you. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. Fully surrender to him. I'm here to tell you this morning that God wants to do a work in your life by his spirit. We just must simply surrender to him. John chapter one and verse 16, the Bible says this, and of his fullness have we all received and grace for grace. And who is he speaking of? Verse 12, to them give you power to become the sons of God. The children of God have received the fullness of God because the spirit of God dwells within us. What a wonderful, wonderful promise of scripture. Let me close with this. You'll remember in the first point I was mentioning that Christ dwelling in us is the same as the spirit of Christ dwelling in us. And God dwelling in us is the same as the spirit of God dwelling in us. But we need to come to terms with this. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Is the spirit of God in you today? Do you know him I read Romans chapter 8 and verse 9 earlier, but it says this, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwelleth in you. But if any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. God loves you very much. And you can wander around on this earth for 70, 80, 90 
I read in the paper the other day of 104, somebody passed away. And you can wander around on this earth for 100 years and do whatever you like. But if you want to know Christ and his peace, you must not wander alone. You must have Christ in you. He is the hope of glory. His spirit will indwell you. He will instruct you. He will infill you. And his ministry will be intimate to the point where you'll know that he loves you. Do you know him today? Wouldn't you like to know him? I mean, who, who would turn away this God that loves us so much that he sent his son to die on our behalf to pay the price for our sins? He loved you that much. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts today, we pray. God, would you bless? Would you move in our midst? Lord, as we think about the Holy Spirit of God, I pray that each one in this room would know him. There's some here today that just don't have peace. I pray that right now that you would show them and reveal to their heart whether or not they have Christ. There's some here today who say, I, I, don't, I don't feel that conviction of sin. Oh God, I pray that you'd show to them whether or not they have Christ. Perhaps they have Christ, but they've grieved the Spirit or vexed the Spirit, and they're not growing like they should be. God, may they lay it at the altar today. As we heard sung earlier, may they come to this place and lay their burdens down. May they ask for mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Oh God, I pray that you'd move in our midst and speak to our hearts, we pray. If there's one here that knows not Christ, may today be their day of salvation. Help us, we pray. Well, thank you in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. And if God has spoke to your heart, this altar is open even now. Maybe there's one here who says, I don't know Christ. I'm not sure I'm saved. Could we help you today? The Spirit of God will bear witness with your heart that you're saved if you're his child. If you don't have that assurance, let us help you today. Let us show you what a Bible says, how you can know you have eternal life. Do you know him today? So one would say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not going to embarrass you. I won't call you out. But can I pray for you today? Is there one? Maybe there's others that just say, I just need to pray. I just need some peace.